funny in different seasons of your life. Especially when you grow up in the church, you can think of just different songs that were like anthems of your life at the time. In the last couple of years, I think that this is just my favorite thing to sing to the Lord. Just recognizing that all my life He's been faithful. Now, I have not been faithful all my life, but all my life He has been faithful. I look at my life and, you know, it's, it's, it's not that, oh, money or a house or look how good looking my kids are or whatever else. It's, it's not that, you know what I mean? Like, but, but I look at my life and, and there were hardships and there's still some hardships and He's been faithful every step of the way. I look back at my life, I go, man, when my parents were getting divorced, God was faithful to us. When my mom didn't want us, God was faithful to us. When we were getting snatched up between houses illegally, God was faithful to us. When we lived in a trailer park for years, God was as faithful in that trailer park as He is now in my cul-de-sac. All my life, God's been faithful. All my life, He's been faithful. So why wouldn't I surrender it all? Why wouldn't I give it all to Him? I can trust Him every single time that I've held my life and what's in my life with an open hand. God has been faithful. Listen, God is good and God is faithful. He's not just faithful when you're behaving. He's not just faithful when you don't get angry at your kids. He's faithful. God's been faithful when I'm yelling at my kids. God's been faithful when I've been working too much or when I've been neglecting my duty. God's been faithful. Amen. All my life. Why can't I trust Him with what's coming next? Amen. Listen, you can trust Him right now. I don't know what you're going through, but you can trust Him right now. I don't know what heartache you're going through. I don't know if you're through in the middle of a divorce, just been through a divorce. If your marriage sucks, I don't know if you've lost a loved one. I don't know if your business is struggling. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that God is faithful. He's been faithful to me. I haven't been through what you've been, what you're going through, but, but He was faithful with me, and I know He's going to be faithful to you. I don't know how much tension there is in your marriage, but God will be faithful. I don't know how, how much struggle there is with your kids, but God is faithful. I don't know how much financial pressure you're under, but God is faithful. I don't know what the prognosis was at the doctor, but God is faithful. I don't know what fear has crept into your life, but God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is faithful, amen. Today, I know God's faithful all the time. Today, I want to talk about some things that we can do. to perhaps try to avoid some of the heartache, right? The good news is God's always going to be there no matter what, right? Like even when we're not faithful, God's faithful. But there are some things we can do to maybe try and avoid some of those moments where it hurts and where we wish things were different. Those moments where we maybe have regret, you know? And you need to know this, there is therefore now no shame, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I want to help you maybe not go through what a friend went through. Amen. And today we're going to talk about legacy. If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to go from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. And, uh, and so remember, Christians take notes. So get your notebook out. Get your phone out. <laughs> no, I'm messing around with that. Christians take notes. But Christians should take notes right? Because again, right? If you came here just to be entertained by some Aussie guy dressed way lower than he should be when he's preaching, 
then cool, right? But if you came here expecting God's going to speak to you, why wouldn't you want to write it down and remember it on Tuesday? Okay? Listen, I love every week seeing all the young people from the front row of every service. There's young people on the front row in every service, right? And they take notes, and they post them on their, on their U-Twit face and on their, uh, on their Instagrams, their Facebooks and their YouTubes and their Twitters. And they post them on there. And if you've got an Instagram, why aren't you posting yours up on there? Letting everybody know what God's doing in the house, yeah? Or you're just on there too busy saying, oh, I can't stand those Democrats. <laughs> hey, I'm being real. Like, could you use your Facebook and Instagram for more than that, please? Right? Let's use it to preach the word. Maybe share some of the things God does in your heart today. Can I get an amen? I just want to encourage you to take notes, all right? If you expect to hear from God, listen, you've got a human brain. Let's remember it. Come on. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 20. Uh, sorry, Proverbs 13, verse 20 to 22. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Whoever but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I do love that, don't you? You want to be wise? Why are you still hanging out with fools? right you know you, you so it's the old thing your mom and dad used to say don't hang out with little jimmy he's going to corrupt you right well choose to hang out with somebody else amen whoever walks with the wise becomes wise that is a amazing little tool there that's got nothing to do with my message by the way that right there at the start there there's a nugget there to help you live a wiser life and people just gloss over it like it's nothing is there some wise people in your life start hanging out with them amen <clears throat> 21. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. Hallelujah. Anyone here got the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Yeah. Come on. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. I also love that little ending there, right? It's a, it's a bit of a reminder, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you, right? right? You can go after wealth or you can go after righteousness and godliness and God will add the wealth from them. Amen. Come on. He'll take it from them and he'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Come on. That has been a story of my life. Amen. But a good man leaves inheritance to his children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for this wonderful opportunity to be in your house and to receive from you. God, we all come here having experienced different things on the way. Some of us had a fight in the morning before we left the house. Some of us had a fight in the car on the way here. Some of us were thinking about murdering our spouses on our way to church. But God, whoever we are, God, all of us, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you help us to put the past in the past. And right now, in this moment, in the house of God, to open up our hearts to receive from you. God, every one of us, we want to leave this place better than we walked in. We want to leave this place a little more Christ-like than we were yesterday. God, we know that, that right now, not everything in our life is going to be fixed or changed, but we do want to move closer. Become a bit more like you planned our lives to be. And so God, we offer this moment to you and we pray from the, the, from the oldest Christian, most mature Christian to the person who's only been saved for a few hours, that every one of us would grow today and leave this place more Christ-like in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Come on, high-five three of your neighbors. Tell them to get ready for a bold sermon and take your seats. I thought you were here to high-five me, but thank you. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Someone say all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Turn to your neighbor on the left and say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Don't forget, we are a hollerback church. Yep. Come on, we yell at the preacher, don't we? 
That's right. Come on. We're, not, we're responsive in the worship and responsive in the word. Amen. There is power in agreement. Do you know what amen means? It means so be it. So if the pastor's talking about a way you can get blessed in your life, why would you not be like, yes, sir, in my life, amen, that, so be it. There is power in agreement and confessing. I'm not talking name it and claim it like, I want a Lamborghini, I'm going to get a Lamborghini. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about confessing and declaring the word of God and amening it in your life, amen. The promises and the principles of the Word of God. Hey, if you're new here, welcome to church. My name is Jesse. I'm the lead pastor here at Eternity Church. I am so glad that you're here today. Uh, we've got a gift for you out in the lobby, even if you're just visiting with a friend. Uh, if you live in Swaziland and you're visiting for a day, whatever it is, we just want to give you a gift so that you would leave blessed spiritually and with a physical gift on your way out the door. So please, immediately after the service, just grab your free gift. Uh, just a quick note before I get into the Word. Uh, in March, we're starting a new sermon series called Bold. Someone say Bold. Come on, say it boldly. Bold. We're starting a new sermon series called Bold, and in that sermon series, we have some very, very, very exciting things to share with you all, so it's super important uh, for you, for your children, for our church, for our community, and for the legacy of faith in this community that you are in as many services as you can possibly be in in the month of March, all right? So get there um, or be square, <laughs> all right? So today, though, I want to talk to you about legacy, um, and, uh, and I watched a sermon by uh, another preacher recently, uh, a man of God that I really look up to. His name is Jensen Franklin. He's an incredible uh, preacher, incredible man of God, and, uh, and in, his me- in his message, he talked, about, uh, he talked about something that I looked up and discovered this is true, and I've asked other pastors all around the country, and it's true. Did you know that more than half of the people that attended churches in the United States in 2019 are no longer attending churches anymore? That's nuts, isn't it? More than half of the people. Right now, a small portion of them may be attending online still, which, by the way, if I can pause and talk to my online uh, uh, peeps right there, listen, that ain't church. That's not attending church. That's watching church. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to stick around for the end of the service and next week get to church, okay, like in the house. But, but, but I'm talking to you from some of the things I say today might be offensive, but what I want you to do is I want you to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you and help you discern whether I'm saying things that are wrong or whether you're offended because you're not doing something you should be, okay? The Holy Spirit won't lie to you, all right? And so I want you to pray. Pray about that uh, today and, and then and make a change in your life and do whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Amen. <clears throat> but a small portion of the people that aren't attending church, and I mean a small portion, they're attending online. But the vast majority of people are no longer attending church at all for a multitude of reasons. Now, I have asked around, I have talked to pastors of mega churches all around the country and small churches, and most of them, uh, if, if not 99% of the churches in America, are, are running about 45% of what they were before the pandemic, all right? And, and that's nuts. Isn't that nuts? Right now, a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, it's because of American Christianity, or, or yeah, it's because of mega churches. No, listen, it's not just the mega churches. It's, if, if the church was 20 before this, they're running about 10 now. 
If the church was 50, it's about 25 or less. If it was 100, it's about 50 or less. If it was 10,000, it's about 4,500 or less, all right? Most churches from the small to the big are running about 45% of what they were before the pandemic. And it's for a multitude of reasons. For some, it's this, you know, like, like my church didn't support Black Lives Matter, so I'm out of here. Or my church did support Black Lives Matter, so I'm out of here, right? Like imagine being a pastor trying to figure out which one of those two crowds you got to please, right? That's why early on I made a decision. I don't care what you want. I don't care what you want. God, what is right? And that's what I'm going to do, right? And, and, and that made leadership for us a lot easier. Just I'm just going to do what do I think is right. Who cares what they think? What's right, God? I'm going to do that. I don't care about the PR. I don't care if whether they put me on, uh, you know, put me up there with Rogan. I don't care, all right? Like, I just, just what's right, Lord? I want to do that. Amen. <clears throat> but, but, but leading in that time was tough. So, like, people left, like, my church opened too soon. I think that was us. We were, I think, the first church in Iowa to reopen because we were like, this is dumb and sinful. So, we're going to open church, right? So you better believe we were all over people's Facebooks. What a reckless church. They opened too soon. Other people left their churches because their church didn't open soon enough. Or my church was mandating masks. Or my church didn't mandate masks. Or my church gave people freedom to be adults and choose for themselves like us. And so people left, right? My church was getting woke. My church is woke. My church wasn't woke enough. So they left their church, right? Now, for a large chunk of these people, they didn't, like, leave and go find another church. They just left, and that's it. They didn't leave and start watching. They just left, and that is it. They were done with the faith, right? Now, I'm not mocking people for leaving a church. There are times where that might be necessary, right? Like, if your church is not preaching the Word of God and standing on the truth, you need to find a church that does, okay? But leaving because your pastor wears a hat when he preaches? Listen. Anyway. And nobody did that, by the way, that I know of, right? Like, I've always worn a hat, right? It was first week, right? So first week you ever came here, you saw me wearing a hat on stage, didn't you, right? Come on. Did you know? Isn't it amazing? You can grow a church even with a hat. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it, right? Come on. But I know that, and I say all that to say this. Look, it's okay. Like, if a church is doing unbiblical things, you, you need to get in a biblical church if they won't change, Right? And I know that many people found a new home here at Eternity Church because you were frustrated with a church that didn't open or didn't have faith or they got distracted and drawn away from, from just, you know, faithfulness or, or they bowed to culture instead of remaining anchored in the truth of the Word of God. And so you found yourself here. And I am glad that you found yourself here. Well done. You didn't just leave the faith. You found a biblical church to attend, right? So good job, right? Welcome to church. Glad you're here. But hundreds and thousands and millions of believers did not find a new church. They didn't. Millions are still doing church only online, even while their church may be open and preaching the word. And multiple millions of believers went from attending, on top of all that, right? Multiple millions of believers went from attending church regularly to once a month or less. Many went from monthly to popping in once every eight to 10 weeks or even once every 12 weeks. But look around the room, right? There are a lot of people in church, but we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. This isn't normal. 
a church that's still growing, winning the loss, seeing lives transformed, right? It's not normal. We had 900 people give their lives to Christ last year. We had, we had 1,000. We had 1,300 new people at Eternity Church last year, right? It ain't normal. It's not normal, right? So what we can tend to do is be like, well, what's happening out there isn't happening in here, so we ignore it. But what we don't want to do is take for granted what God's doing. We need to pay attention. We need to make sure that the things that cause that to happen in these other churches don't happen here. We need to address the sorts of issues that create those sorts of problems, right? And so for me, I'm not willing to just be like, well, we're fine and that's it. No, I want us to be better than fine. I want us to thrive, keep growing, and have a generation after us that thrives and keeps going. Amen. Growing in the Lord and preaching the truth and being firm. Can I get an amen? <laughs> See, these numbers alarm me. They alarm me because I'm worried about the future of Christianity in America. Now, some people are like, what do you mean America? I'm not talking American Christ Christianity or that America's the bee's knees in the world. What I'm saying is God sent me from another country to this country to preach the gospel here. So this is the one I care about, all right? And I'm worried about the future of Christianity in America. I'm not worried about our influence on politics or our ability to pick the president or the governor. No, I'm worried about the number of believers in America. I'm talking about the most powerful country in the history of the world losing its religion. I'm talking about the most powerful country in the entire history of the world losing its faith in God. And let me tell you, nothing good can come from that. Nothing good. There is not one single good thing that can come from the most powerful country in the world losing its faith in God. America without God scares me. America without faith scares me. America without morals, without biblical family values, believing in God's design and purpose, that's a scary thought. Now, it doesn't scare me in the sense that I need to barricade myself in the basement and, you know, in a hundred years, my descendants come out glowing in the dark. <clears throat> like, like, I'm not scared like that. It scares me in that if Christians don't stand up, get committed, do the work and put Christ first in their lives, I think the time is coming very soon where more Americans perish without Christ than actually get to spend eternity in heaven. Really soon. It scares me. It scares me because I'm worried about the children whose parents profess to serve God while being out of God's house more weeks than they're in God's house. What will eternity look for like for those kids? I don't know. Will we see them in heaven? Will they serve the Lord? Will they have faith? The realistic probability? No. No, they won't. And that makes me sad. It makes me think about the legacy we're leaving for our kids and for our kids' children as well. See, the scripture we talked about at the start said, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now, I know we all know that that scripture is talking about more than finances, right? Right? Like, I, I think, mind you, we know that it is also talking about finances, don't we, right? Like, I think in here and, and in most Western countries in the world, uh, you know, and when I say that, I, I'm, I'm just, it's just a thing, right? Most Western countries have been really blessed, haven't they? You know, financially blessed, socially blessed, all those sorts of things. By the way, that's not because of any race or any gender. Or, no, no, they've been blessed because they have faith in Jesus Christ. 
our blessing has come from that and that alone. We have had faith and a commitment to serve the Lord in those countries, right? It scares me what happens when that leaves. Come on, right? But look, in most of those countries, we understand the importance of leaving some sort of financial inheritance for our children, right? Like most of us, I'd say, would at the very least want to or, or, or be trying to figure out some way that we, can, that we can buy a house so that when we pass on, there's something for us to leave our children, right? <clears throat> I think most people in Western countries want. Now, it's not working out that way for everybody. We all have different situations and circumstances, but most of us understand the value of leaving an inheritance, right? It's important to manage our finances and a godly way to manage our debt levels in a way to make sure that that we are in control of our finances and our finances are not in control of us making sure we tithe making sure we're generous making sure we love god love people and use our money to do both amen that's all good and we should all do that and that's a part of leaving a great uh, a great inheritance um but but the part of this passage that i want to talk about is is what kind of spiritual inheritance you are going to leave for your children right now oh, by the way if i can backtrack for a second when we talk about a good man or a good woman leaving a financial inheritance for their children, it does not say that leaving a financial inheritance for your children is what makes you a good man or a good woman, right? <clears throat> like that, It's saying that among the many things a good person will do, leaving an inheritance is one of them. You understand the difference, right? And so that's among the things that we will do. It's not what makes you good or bad, Amen. But I want to talk about leaving an inheritance spiritually for your children. Amen. The, what, what else are you leaving behind when you're done on earth? Because when Scripture talks about leaving an inheritance, it's not only talking about cash. It's also talking about some kind of spiritual foundation, some kind of spiritual legacy for your children. Now, I am today primarily talking about what you will leave your kids. I know some of you don't have kids. I know some of you are estranged from your kids. Uh, and there's all sorts of different situations uh, in the room. And a sermon like this can be difficult for people who don't have a relationship with their children or have never been able to have kids. And I will talk about what you can do and how this message can bless you. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I want to be clear. Parents, I am talking about what you are leaving your kids, okay? What legacy will you leave your children? Now, often when we talk about legacy, we often think about tombstones. Have you ever done that? Right? Like, like you spend a moment, you're at a conference or, or you're in a service. Excuse me. Um, you're at a conference or you're in a service and, and then somebody says, what do you want written on your tombstone? You know, and, I, and I'm like, really? That's my legacy? What's going to be on a piece of concrete for 400 years? That, that's my legacy right there, you know? Like, I don't know, like Elon Musk it might say something like, you know, uh, dude designed a car and then he designed a rocket ship and then he put the car on the rocket ship and put it in space. Like, right? Like, I don't care what's written on. He was a good man. You know, people, I just wanted to say he was a good man. That's my legacy. No, that's not the legacy that I'm talking about. I think legacy is best observed um, not by what people remember you by, but by what lasts longer than you. Tombstones aren't legacy. A piece of concrete in a cemetery for 400 years, that, that's not legacy. Or even what people say when you're gone. You know, he developed this, he made that, he built that, and he climbed all the way to the top of that. Who cares? That's fame. That's renown. That's not the legacy I want. That's not the legacy that I'm talking about. You know the word legacy actually comes from the Latin word legere? 
or for the bougie people, Leger. It's L-E-G-A-R-E, right? Do you know what Leger means? It means to be an ambassador. That's what legacy means. Ambassador or envoy. Someone who delivers a message. Someone who represents you and your values when you are not here. Now, Laguerre began to include the passing on of possessions and property and, and, and notoriety and things like that later on, but, 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 but not to replace ambassadorship, but to be added to it. But the legacy I want to talk to you about is what will live on when you're gone. What will live on when you're gone? That's your legacy. What message will be delivered in your absence? Will they talk about how you always took them to the cricket? If you're wondering what that, that's baseball for men, right? I'm just kidding. I love baseball and I love America. You just seem really, really quiet. And some, they say the best way to wake people up is to offend them, right? And so that's what I did. But uh, no, what will they talk about? Will they talk about how you always worked hard to provide? Will they talk about how you made sure they had food and warm clothes? Will your ambassadors talk of how wonderfully you set them up financially and made sure that their siblings and they were, were able to start on a solid foundation, right? Will they talk of the stuff that you own, the places that you went, the things that you built? What will they talk about? I think the best way to look at your legacy, to be honest, not that I was lying before, <clears throat> don't you hate the term, to be honest? Like I was lying for the last half an hour. Anyway, uh, I think the best way to look at your legacy is not by what they say about you, but what they say. That's it. Not the things they say you did, but by what they do. What are they saying? What are they doing? So when I think about an ambassador and my kids, I, 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 I'm more concerned about what they say than what, they say about me, what they preach, what they do with their lives. I don't care if they never, ever utter my name again, but what are they saying and what are they doing with their lives? What will your ambassadors say and do? What will they say and do? In Genesis, we see God's first interaction with mankind. I do love that God's first interaction with mankind starts with, and God blessed them. Don't you love that? And God bless them. Listen, there's too many people who think God's a mean guy up on a hill with a magnifying glass trying to burn all the ants that go the wrong direction. Listen, God's first interaction with mankind is to bless them. And, and his first interaction with mankind after sin was to cover the shame of it. Listen, we're, we, we serve a God who covers shame and blesses people. Amen. That's our God. I love our first interaction with God. He blessed them and then he, command, he made a command. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. A few months ago, we talked about this and we said that basically God's first command was have lots of sex and rule the world. Be fruitful and multiply, baby, and subdue the earth. Come on. <clears throat> I love God's first command. The first thing God did was bless us. And by the way, y'all notice there was a few men that said amen and some women that said nothing. Just then, y'all notice that? Is that just me that noticed that? Come on, right? But the first thing God did was bless us, tell us to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
Now, I'm going to take a sidebar for a moment, if that's okay, right? We'll come back to the message in a moment. I want to take a sidebar, right? The first thing God told us to do, be fruitful and multiply. You see that? There are a lot of people out there right now who think there are too many people on planet Earth. Have you heard that before? Give me a wave if you're with me and you know what I'm talking about, right? They think there are too many people on planet Earth and we need to get rid of some of the population, right? Listen, there are not too many humans on the Earth. There are not too many humans on the Earth. That is a load of garbage, okay? They use that as a pretense to make things like abortion seem necessary. They use that to make things like assisted suicide seem like it's helping them and it's helping the earth. Their God is the earth. Listen, my God is not the earth. My God created the earth. Listen to me. And the earth was not my God's prized possession. You were. The earth is not God's favorite thing. You are God's favorite thing. The earth is a cabinet that God put his prizes in. You're the prize. The earth is the cabinet. Can someone say amen? Amen. There are not too many people on the earth. And there is no way that us obeying God's first command, being fruitful and multiplying, is going to ruin the earth and go against God's plans and intentions. Listen, if the cabinet gets too full, get a bigger cabinet. Amen? Saying there are too many people who are God's prized possessions, saying there are too many of those on the earth is like saying you should stop winning prizes because your cabinet is breaking. Get a bigger cabinet. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's some climate activist in here and you're like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to put it on Instagram. Listen, if I didn't get canceled in 2020 and 2021, it can't happen. All right? I don't even care what you put on Instagram, all right? If you've seen my Instagram and I'm still alive, we're going to be fine. I don't care what you put. But listen, but, 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 but on that note, I'm not saying that we should not be wise stewards. We are called to steward everything that God has given us, including the earth. Amen. But we're not going to steward the earth by not doing what God told us to do in the beginning. We will continue to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and rule it. Amen. Amen. But listen, this whole idea... Like, sorry, what was I saying? Oh, that's right. We are still called to steward. Like, don't change your car oil and dump it in the sewer. Don't change your car oil and dump it in the river. If you own a farm, don't put a big pile of trash right by the stream and poison all the fish. I want to eat that fish, all right? Listen, we got to be a wise steward. Can I get an amen? But there are some people out there who the earth is their God and climate change is their religion, all right? And, and we're not going to be those people, okay? They're out there. Save the planet. Save. The, listen, God said that one day the earth is going to be destroyed by fire and there will be a new earth and a new heaven. There ain't a thing you can do to save the earth. Some of y'all didn't know that, did you? You're like, I've only been saved for five weeks. This is heavy. Listen, that's in the word of God, all right? It talks about the new heaven and the new earth and the resurrection. We talked about that in our death sermon in our Hot Topic series in October last year, right? That there will be a resurrection and there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. Hello. So when I say get a bigger, get a bigger cabinet, he plans to get a bigger cabinet and until that day we're going to be fruitful and multiply and someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth some days it feels like it's going to be next week anyone else the last couple of years you're like i don't know what book of revelation what chapter of revelation we in today but it must be next week for sure right 
Listen, don't give away all your possessions just yet. That happened once in Scripture. They all thought Jesus was coming right back, gave everything away, had nothing to give their kids. Don't do that. <laughs> all right. But listen, what am I saying? I say all that to say this. I think every Christian should have kids if they can. If they can. Not everyone should have as many kids as Lauren and I accidentally had. <laughs> we're still not sure if we're going to keep Henry. But I'm kidding. We love that little joy. He's awesome. But, uh, but I do think that, that every Christian should, ha- should endeavor to have kids, right? Now, if you're 65 years old right now and don't have kids, that was not a word from God. Don't go home and be like, honey, we got a word. No, it's not what I'm saying, all right? What I'm saying is that everybody should enter into a marriage relationship with a plan to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. That was God's original intent, and it has not changed. So young married people, go have babies. Wait till after church. (laughs) We're getting a little real in here today, aren't we, you know? We are, but... You know, I really do mean it, though. I think that we should, all ha- we should all endeavor to have children, especially so that we can leave a spiritual, inher- a spiritual inheritance, a spiritual legacy. Come on. You know what? You know why the Muslim faith is growing so fast? They ain't winning hardly anyone over to the faith like we are. They're just outbreeding us. We can change that. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Hello, most of you just got a word from God. Scripture says that children are the best gift from God. The most important legacy we can leave is this, that our children, as Paul is, would be an ambassador of Christ. Amen? We need to multiply, fill the earth with ambassadors of Christ. People who talk like we talk, people who value what we value, walk like we walk, people who love the Lord like we love the Lord or more in Jesus' name. I I, I, I pray that your story would be like that of Timothy, where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your grandmother Eunice, and I also saw in your mother uh, Lois, and I am convinced today that I also see it in you. That, my friend, is legacy. I don't know how much money he inherited, but I know that he inherited the most important legacy of all. He is an ambassador of Christ because Lois, his mother, was, because Eunice, his grandmother, was. That's legacy. And I pray that the day comes where someone looks at my grandkids and can say, I am convinced of your sincere faith that I first saw in your dad, Jesse, and your, sorry, in your grandpa, Jesse, and your grandma, Lauren, and it was in your dad or your mom as well, and it's in you too too. That's what I care the most about, that the legacy be in them too. Amen. I don't care if they ever say my name, but that somebody could say, I see your sincere faith. Amen. So parents, if we believe that the most important legacy that we can leave is that your children are Laguerre, ambassadors of Christ, what are you doing about it? What are we doing about it? Now, I don't want anyone to feel ashamed in this room because I know for many of us, we feel like, well, they're out of my home now, all right? We'll talk about that later on, but we can pray, amen, right? So, so, so though that sucks, and, and, and I'm not belittling that pain that you feel, man, I wish I, I wish I really committed to this 30 years ago, right? I'm not belittling that pain, but what we do want to make sure is that other people don't have to feel it, and you can help them, amen? And so, but, but like, what are we doing about it? Too many of us today, we say faith is first, but if we look at your life, the truth is it's probably work, sport, or your kid's vocation that you care the most about. 
I feel like too many believers, right, that they'd be talking to their friends about their children and they'd be super proud to tell their friends about their child. My child is a surgeon and they're doing incredible things and they created a life-saving technique that's changing the world, you know, but they're away from Christ, right? But they're probably more proud of that than they would be of the kid who drives a dump truck for a living but loves the Lord and is teaching their kids to love Him too. And I feel like if we're really honest, a lot of us would be more eager to talk about the doctor that's not saved than the dump truck driver that is. That's backwards, my friends. We need to care about that kid. I don't care. Look, listen, you can still be proud of your unemployed kid. I just pray they love the Lord. And they teach their kids to be the same. And that as they pursue the Lord, they realize they should get a job. But who cares what it is? Amen? Look, I know this is tough. I know this is hard. It's not saying you can't be a surgeon that loves the Lord. It's just saying the vocation doesn't matter as much as the faith. In fact, in in comparison to the faith, the vocation don't matter at all. Amen? When we say we're leaving a spiritual inheritance, are we living like that? If I can be honest with you, First, uh, I want to be really honest, brutally honest about mine and Lauren's life for a few years. Um, But first, I also want to be honest about this. Uh, We're going to go over time today. I have tried in every service to land this ship on time, and it has not happened once, okay? And so what I need you to do is to, to, to control yourself. Your bladder will not break. You will be okay. But you need to push through the suck and stick around for the message, okay? All right? You need to hear this message, and you need to be here for the altar call, all right? So please stick around. Now, we're not going to go half an hour. Well, I can't promise, but I don't plan to, and I haven't yet. Ten minutes is what I've done every service. But I want to talk to you about mine and Lauren's life earlier when we first moved here about ten years ago. Actually, this month, it's ten years since we moved here, and so pretty rad. Ten years, and I got a lot older, so... But just this week, you know, because I was thinking about legacy and all this sort of gear. So Lauren and I were chatting in the car the other day and um, we're talking about the first few years and how much I worked and how little I was home. And uh, she wasn't being like, man, you worked so much and you were never home. It was me talking, right? Um, but but what the thing is, I would love to meet everybody. In fact, I, I had to change my phone number twice because I gave every single person and every new person in the church got my phone number. I'm like, yo, what's up? Let's talk, you know? People would call me in the middle of the night. They'd call me at 5 a.m. They'd call me in the middle of the day and I'd just take every single call and I would meet with everybody no matter who they were, no matter when you want to meet, I was going to make it work, right? Now, a lot of the new people now know there's a lot of other staff and, and as much as I love you and want to be everybody's best friend, it's physically impossible. So usually a lot of the new people don't get to have coffee with me. But hey, you're not here to be my best friend, right? You're here for the word the anointing of God, right? Listen, my number one anointing is not to be best buddies with everybody. It's to preach the word and lead the church, right? So, so, so here's the thing, though. When, when I was unfocused and I was using, leaning into the wrong gift, we were having trouble, right? And, and so I would meet with everybody. I would pastor everyone. I was interested in making sure that everybody goes to heaven, of course, you know, experiencing freedom, gets the support that they need, knows that they've been seen, gets noticed, but I was never, ever home. Like, never. I would leave the home by 7, 
most, but eight o'clock at the latest every day. If I was sick, I was at work. I know in COVID land, that sounds like the worst thing in the world, but that's what I did, all right? I was always at work no matter what, right? And I'd be home no earlier than seven o'clock ever. I remember sometimes sitting in the car, finishing emails at seven o'clock or 7.30. If I didn't have dinner, sometimes I'd have a dinner meeting at seven o'clock. And so I'd go meet with that person because they couldn't meet during the day. I would make it work. If I didn't have a meeting with them, Lauren and I would have them over for dinner at our house a couple, two, three, four times a week. Families over for dinner, right? And our kids would go to bed at seven or 7.30 at the latest. So by the time I'm home and actually paying attention, they're in bed. I was talking to Judah about that earlier. And he's like, yeah, I remember that. We just never saw you, right? He also said, and you were cranky all the time then too. And I was like, well, that makes sense. It was nice to you, cranky to them, right? Being honest with you, at least two days a week, at least two days a week, because I had spent every waking hour of the day meeting with people, having coffees, meeting with staff, potential staff, meeting with board members, praying, see, praying too, right, for people, right, doing all these good things. I was doing all so much that I had no time to write sermons, none at all, so I'd stay at church till midnight or 1 a.m. at least two times a week, at least two times a week, writing my sermon from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., writing my sermon. Get, didn't even think I should message my wife, let her know, yo, I'm alive. Didn't even think of her at all. Didn't think of the kids at all. I was just heads down, bum up, let's go, right? Every week I did this for nearly five years. Then about five years ago, we went to a marriage retreat that Troy and Mary Spoonamore sort of made us go to. And if you don't know what I mean by made us, well, he's a board member. And um, when they say, look, I really think you should do this, what they're saying is, don't forget I have the power to fire you. And you should do this, right? And so this board member who's still on our board right now and a few other men as well, um, but, but this board member, he's saying, you, you need to go do this. And, and they started speaking into my life and saying, you, you need, because when, when you're like that and when there's conflict in your marriage or in any area of your life, it's because they're an idiot, isn't it? Like every time, like, let's be real. You have never had conflict in your marriage and thought that's because I'm an idiot. You're like, it's because they're an idiot and they don't get it and they don't know what I'm doing for them, Right. Right, that's how it was, and you need other people. It's not like I was calling her an idiot, but I didn't appreciate my role in what was happening, that I was never there. Why can't you just raise the kids, you know? Why can't this happen? Why do you need me all the time? Other people would be stoked to have someone who works like this. I was never home, and it saddens me to think that I was gone so much that I didn't even notice that my wife was suffering from severe anxiety, depression, trauma from her childhood, missing her family and all of her friends in Australia, and I didn't even know because I was never there, never there to notice. It saddens me to think that the pastor of the church that was growing was praying for everybody, but I never prayed for my wife, and I never prayed, maybe, maybe in the car occasionally thinking about them, but I never laid hands on them like I would with everybody else just hoping that my family would be there because hopefully there's an anointing somehow that just gets them. Listen, no one has given more or sacrificed more for this church than Lauren and the kids. Like no one, no one at all. Over the following couple of years after that, I realized, man, I need a pastor my home. I need a pastor my home, not just pastor a church. Now, I'm talking about church. That's something good. That's a mission. That's a calling. That's a ministry, right? 
but still it can go like that. And I know that I'm not the only one that works so much that they never get to see their kids, that we never see our families. The most important legacy or legere that we leave in our homes is not the money. It's the faith. It's the faith. If you're new here, sorry, it's just, we, we just, we're as jacked up as you guys are, all right? And we're working on, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling like you should be too, okay? You don't have perfect leadership in this church. We're just doing what seems right to us in the Holy Spirit, amen? So what I want to do is just share a quick couple of things. Only take a couple of minutes, and then we're going to pray for people. I want to share a quick couple of things now that you understand the value and the importance of legacy, I want to share some things that Lauren and I are doing in our family to help develop uh, little ambassadors of Christ in our home. Amen. And let me tell you, our kids are not perfect. All right. And our family is not perfect. These are things that we are doing and then trying to do and then trying to do and then trying to do in our family to raise little ambassadors of Christ. Amen. But first, a real quick word for people who are estranged from their kids or don't have any kids, okay? I know this is a tough word for you. I know it, right? Even just recently, a friend of mine passed away, a good friend of mine, he passed away and he was estranged from his kids, okay? But I thank God that he didn't then just give up on leaving legacy, amen? See, in Scripture, an inheritance is ideally supposed to go to the children. But as anyone who has struggled with infertility or, or, had, uh, or had miscarriages or been unable to conceive at all or couldn't find a way to adopt for whatever reason, we know that things don't always work out ideally, do they? It's not always ideal. And for some reason, a sermon like this could cause regret, heartache for some people. And I know for others, there might be regret in that you found the Lord at a later age and you didn't get to raise your children in the ways of God, right? And yet others who are estranged from their kids, maybe because something they did or you did or someone else did or some unresolved conflict, I don't know. I know this is hard. But firstly, I do want to tell you, as long as we shall live, we can pray in the name of Jesus that they will come back. They will. Listen, the most important thing is not that they end up in relationship with you, but they end up in relationship with God. And you need to pray that. God, I don't even know whether this is ever going to be okay, but I do pray in the name of Jesus that this young man, this young woman would find themselves surrendered to the Lord and live their lives in pursuit of all that you plan for them in Jesus' name. You can still pray. And there is grace. If you messed up, if you're the one that made the mistakes, listen, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace grace upon grace. We cannot undo the past, but we, we can't rewrite what's happened, but we can change the ending. Amen. We can change what we do from now on. But I want to talk to you about scriptural inheritances. It was first supposed to go to children. And then if not children, it was supposed to go to a, um, to a kinsman, a relative. If not a relative, they would pass it on to a favored servant. Or if not a favored servant, someone, a close friend or someone that they love. And they would make sure that the inheritance went somewhere, that it wasn't just distributed randomly, but that it had purpose. You can leave a legacy in somebody's life, whether or not you have children that are in your life or not, you can leave an inheritance in somebody's life. You can and you should. In fact, all of us are called to do that. You could be to them what Matthew Briggs or Peter Reed was for me. 
Peter Reed was the dairy farmer next door. He took me to church more times than anybody else in my life took me to church. He invited me to their family outings. He invited me to pray in their family prayers, to have dinner with them. He talked to me about the Lord, even when his kids were already at youth because his kids were all musicians. They all had skills and I had no skills like Napoleon. I got no skills, you know. Like, I had no skills. So he would then, the dairy farmer next door, even though his kids were already there, would drive me in. And he would talk to me about the Lord. And he would pray with me. Perhaps you could sow into others like others have sown into me. If you're estranged or have no children, I think there are a lot of people in this church who would be blessed by inheriting a spiritual double portion from you like Elijah and Elisha did. Amen that you could sow into their lives, that they, that though they may not be related to you, that you could sow into their lives and leave a legacy and help them be ambassadors of Christ. Can I get an amen? And we'll pray for you at the end. But to the parents, let's talk about the hard stuff. Number one, you need your kids in church every week. Did he just say every week? Yes. Yes, every week. You need to plan to have your kids in church every week. Kids who attend church less than twice a month almost certainly will not follow Christ in adulthood. Now, I said almost to leave room for the miraculous possibilities of God. Amen? Almost. But all the research shows this is not just a pastor's opinion. This is not just me trying to boost numbers and attendance. No, 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 no. We're doing fine. Like I said, our church is already doing better in attendance than 99.99% of churches in America and the world over, right? So I'm, I don't care. I, I, I still care about your kids, though, not just the numbers, all right? And the research shows that in the, the biggest probability is that if you come to church once a month or less, your children are almost certainly not going to be believers in adulthood. And if they don't give their lives to Christ, they'll go to hell. And that's heartbreaking. That breaks my heart. Because I know so many Christian parents who hear this and they still think they're going to be the exception. Don't they? I knew it wasn't going to be a massive hollaback sermon today. Everybody thinks they're going to be the exception, right? It's like day traders, right? Everybody knows that trading, anyone tried some day trading every now and give me a wave, right? Just want to see who lost most of their money, right? That's the thing with day trading, right? When you try to day trade, you lose most of your money, right? Now, I tried it like one day and lost like a couple of thousand dollars, right? And I'm like, well, that was dumb, you know? And so, but what I got to stick to is what I have done all my life in the market is time in the market. In other words, how long you're in the market is way better than trying to time the market. They say that time in the market beats timing the market 99% of the time. But still, everybody thinks they're going to be that one day trader. Everybody, it's funny because 100% of the people think they're going to be 1% of the people. Oh, we're going to beat it. It's like gambling, right? The house always wins. But not when I'm there. No, it's going to win and you're going to lose. All right? 99% of the time. And everybody thinks that they're going to be the one guy or the one girl that can trade at the exact right time. They're going to buy Tesla and it's going to go up that day. But instead it went down on January 22nd, 2021. Right? Everybody thinks they're going to be that guy. Don't play that game with your children's future. Stop trying to be the exception. Understand what works. What principles are in the Word of God. Do them. They work. 
Don't wait to the last minute. Can I get an amen? You need your kids in church. That's why God commands it. That's why scripture pushes the gathering so hard. You need to be in church for the faith of your family. You need a Sabbath. Sabbath isn't, you know, we know in the New Testament, it doesn't make a requirement of a certain day, but we do see still that it's important that there is a day that's dedicated to rest and holiness. There's a day that's dedicated to rest, recuperating and spiritual things. It's still important. It's still commanded. It's still what God wants for you. Can I get an amen? The Newmans, we're always in church, even on vacation. Last year and almost every year in July, we take a few weeks off. And last year, we were gone for four weeks, all right? And every week, we went to church. Why? So my kids know that going to church ain't my job. It's what we do because we're Christian. We go to church. So we went to church. We went to one of them twice and another one. And it was absolutely fun to see what other churches are doing. But we went to church. When we go on vacation, we're on vacation. We're not, we're not on vacation from the commands of God. Well, we might as well get drunk too since we're on vacation. Ludicrous, right? Come on, get to church. Get to church. I care about your kids. And statistics say that if you're in church once a month, your kids won't be when they're old. Don't try to be the exception. Do the work. Can I get an Amen. Here's a couple other things that Laura and I are still doing. Now, we're still trying, okay? We're still trying. We ain't got this sorted out. But, but one thing that we changed, and you, don't, you can do both, right? But for us, we got rid of, like, going together and praying at bed. You know, like, you know, when they go to bed and we're like, Lord God, you know, pray for them, you know, keep them safe, yada, yada. You know, all those prayers. We, we were like, mm, we're going to stop doing that. And we started praying all together on the couch instead, right? Now, 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 sometimes one of the kids will still be like, I need my bedtime prayer. So we're not like, no. We're like, okay. We come up and we pray for them, right? But, but and by the way, I've never understood that American prayer y'all do. You know that? And if my soul before I wake, you Lord, you Lord, you take. I'm like, what kind of weird, scary, flipping prayer is that for the kid? I don't get it. I'm like, you're basically saying, look, you might die tonight. Hope you ate your greens, you know? Someone gave us one of those for one of our kids. I can't remember who it was, and if it was you, my apologies. But, but someone gave us a little teddy that prayed that thing. And if my soul before I wake, the Lord you choose to choose to take. We burnt that demon, you know. <laughs> We're like, get out of my house, right? <laughs> you will live in Jesus' name, right? Come on, like, come on. Anyway, I digress. So, so we started praying together on the couch and we go around with each other. And there's a lot of us. There's seven of us psychos. And we'd be like, what do you want to pray for? What do you want to pray for? What do you want to pray for? And then as they say what they want to pray for, we'd assign it to one of the other kids and the kids would pray. But what I love about it is we're teaching our kids that it's okay to be vulnerable and talk about what you care about in front of other. If they can't do it in front of their kids, they're not going to do it at a cafe somewhere. You know what I'm saying? If they can't do it in front of each other. So we're teaching them to be vulnerable and to, to pray for each other. And they do. But, but can I tell you, there are some times where one of the kids has nothing. They're like nothing. And I'm like, you mean in the whole world, there's not one thing God needs to do? You got nothing? You know, his kid's starving over there. You know, you pull out the starving kid in Africa thing that your parents did to you, you know. Like, you don't even care about that, you know. Like, you know, but it's not always easy. It's not always easy. So many times it's just frustrating. You're in the middle of a prayer and you're like, shut up in the middle of your prayer, right? And then you're like, man, I'm supposed to not be saying shut up to my kids because we're in America, you know. And then they go to school and they say it to the teacher, you know, and we get a letter and, you know. All because of family prayer time, you know. <laughs> but our family prayer times, they're not perfect. 
They're not super easy. But we started doing that, and it's been really beneficial for our family, and it's getting a lot easier. They sucked at first. It sucks sometimes still, but it's getting easier. Another thing I started doing was reading the Bible in front of them. I realized my kids know their dad reads the Bible because their dad's a pastor, right? And they know they hear him talk about it when, on the, in, in the sermons and so on. I thought they know that. And sometimes they've probably even seen me reading it on my phone. So, but they don't know that I'm reading it. They don't know if I'm reading my Bible or playing Clash of Clans, right? And so I'm like, so I'm like all right. And I had this realization. There's a scripture says, do not, you know, don't be like the Pharisees who do things on the street corner because they've received their reward in full. They're just doing it because they want glory from people, right? But then there's also in Luke, it talks about how that we should let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the Lord. And I was like, what's the difference between those two? And the difference is purely motivation. If you're doing it so they glorify you, you're like a Pharisee. If you're doing it so they glorify the Lord, that's what God wants us to do. And I realized there's things in my life I want them to do and they won't do the things I know. They won't copy the things they know I do. They'll copy the things they see me do. So I decided I'm going to read my Bible in front of them. So now when they come down the stairs, the first thing it does, they come down to take a shower. It's amazing. Every morning I see a half-naked kid while I'm reading my Bible, you know, five of them, you know. And they come down with just a towel, and they're like, morning, Dad. And, 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 and as soon as they get down the stairs, there's a fireplace there. And so I turn the fire on so it catches their eye. And the first thing they do is they see their dad reading the Bible. The fire catches their eye. During the summer, I'll do it too. I'll turn it on because we've got one of those gas ones. Right, so it's wood, but it starts with gas. So when you're lazy and don't have kindling, you just put a whole tree on that thing and just start it. You know, it's awesome. An hour later, turn it off, good to go. Got coals, fantastic, right? But I'll do that with just the gas in the summer as well because I want them to see me reading the Bible. There have been times where I'm like, I've been reading and they're all sleeping in, and I've been reading my Bible for like 45 minutes, and I'm like, where they at? You know, so I put my Bible down and pick up my phone, and I hear steps. I'm like. "Ah." 100% doing it purely to be seen. Not purely, but like picked it back up. I want them to see. Why? Uh, Not because I want them to be like, my dad rules. But I want them to do what I do. And I want them to read the word like I read the word. Amen. So I started doing that in front of them. Another thing is you all stand up. And at Eternity Church, if you knew, this is the moment people go, oh, it's going to end. But stick around though. I know. Like I said, you already gave me permission to go 10 minutes over. All right. You don't remember that? That was when I told you we're going to do it and you didn't leave then. That was consent. And so um, another thing we started doing is family worship. Family worship. See, we come to God's house and worship. And our older kids come and worship with us for one of the services each week. And it's great. I love having my son in here going, amen, and asking me questions about the word on the way home. You know, that's awesome. And talking about when Pastor Benny preached and Pastor Reggie preached and, you know, when Pastor Brad preached and all these other. It's great. But we also want to bring that into our home too. Sometimes we, you know, family, we'll always play one song, occasionally two, but usually one song and then we'll have a a verse or a sermon. And and, uh, sometimes the song is like Planet Boom or something and it's like, let me tell you about him. Jesus is the way, you know, and the kids are jumping around going crazy, occasionally breaking things while we're worshiping, you know. And, uh, and it's awesome, right? And, uh, and then we'll sit down on the couch and we'll read the verses. And uh, a few weeks back, uh, Judah wanted to preach at family worship. So uh, I go, cool, what are you going to preach on? He's like, abortion. I was like, well, okay. I'm like, well, in this house, I feel like we, we're pretty good with, with, the, with the theology on that. But, <laughs> but let's raise up another generation, shall we? And so, you know, the truth is, though, for him to be able to preach about something like that in front of us, cool. 
make him stronger to say it in front of a world that disagrees, amen? And so he talked about that, and, and uh, you know, we all felt convicted. And, no, <laughs> and, um, but no, in some ways, you know, about boldness for sure. Uh, Charlie, Charlie comes to me uh, last week and he says, hey, I want to I I share a family worship next week. And so this week he's going to share about how lying creates webs that you get stuck in. And keep lying, it's another line on the web. And because and he reads his little garden science book and he highlights in all different colors and stuff and he has a little fun there. And, and there's certain stuff in there that he highlights and, and the highlighter color means things I have to tell everyone else. And uh, this is one of those things. So we all got to stop lying. And so, so Charlie's going to But now here's the thing, this is what's fun. When you hear that, oh, the Newmans, they read the Bible in front of the kids, and Lauren does too, and, and you hear, that, they, um, and you hear that, they, that the Newmans pray together, and the Newmans do family worship, and, and, and without trying to big note myself, there's some people who are like, man, they're such a great godly family, but you don't understand how much it sucks still half the time, still. Like it started out where nine times out of ten, we wanted to murder five kids in the middle of a prayer meeting, for real. For real, you, so many times we'd be worshiping and we're like, oh my life, you have been faithful. Would you stop it? <laughs> Fool. Oh my life, you have been so, so good. But why? You know? So many times. So, so many times. I, you think it's easy because we're pastors? Our kids make those moments suck as much as yours. But we're the adults, and we're the parents, and we're going to choose to do it anyway. And for five or six years, we tried to do this and kept giving up because it sucked. So we stop, we do it once, and we're like, I'm never doing this again. And I wish we didn't. I wish for Judah's first five, six years that that was a habit, not just now. I wish. You've got to push through the suck. And that's how it was then. It's not that much better. But now it's, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm really not. At least half the times, one of the kids will not participate and is acting very, very annoying. And we really, really want to lock them in the basement for a year. They're very annoying sometimes. Still, about half the time. But then sometimes it's like this week. And it was beautiful and everybody worshipped and everybody prayed and everybody added to what we talked to, to the scriptures that we talked about. And this week is worth 10 of those other weeks. Don't think there's a magical day coming where it's never going to suck again. It's not like that. We're dealing with people and, and little ones at that. And they're brutal. They're brutal. And when you preach on something in there that they know you ain't doing right, in the middle of family worship, they tell you, you don't do that. In the middle of it. You know, don't let your anger turn to rage. Did you hear that, Dad? Yeah, I'm preached on it. Right? They will. It's brutal. And sometimes they're not doing it because, just to be honest, sometimes they're doing it because they like to be a maggot for real they just want to annoy you but you push through and you show them that this is what we do you got to push through the suck that line though it sounds bad coming from a preacher it's one of the best lines you're going to learn if you want to leave a legacy you got to push through the suck and some days will be amazing 
I want to encourage you to start praying together. Read the word in front of them. Burn your demon little teddy that says weird things to your kids. And have family worship. Amen. Lauren and I have gotten a lot more intentional about how we raise our kids. Where's my bride? Come on over. Oh, yeah, she is there. Cool. We, um, we've gotten a lot more intentional, haven't we, babe? We've gotten a lot more intentional, haven't we, babe? Like uh, about what TV is even allowed in a house. Like a few weeks ago, I messaged Lauren. I'm like, I am, I am banning Disney. I'm like, the stuff we've paid for, fine. We know it's clean. But their agenda now, I'm not giving money to that organization. We will never buy another Disney thing ever again. And that sounds brutal, but I'm like, no, I'm really intentional about what's allowed in my home now. And we, what we watch, we often watch together. We've started watching uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. We've been watching Home Improvement, right? <clears throat> Anyone else love that show? <laughs> you know, like, it's just gold, right? But like, it's, it's super inappropriate, but old school inappropriate, right? Like, you know, like your kids are just there and then, they're, you know, it's all fine. And then the dude, because it's old school and appropriate, the dude just says penis or something and the whole family is on the floor going, <laughs> But it's like old school inappropriate and it's hilarious. Do you know what I mean? And I love that. I just miss it when it was cool to just make fun of stuff before the rules came, you know? And so I'm like, kids, let's watch some of this stuff. I want to show you how daddy grew up. You know what I mean? And with a little bit of hope that you're going to be all right, you know? It's brutal, isn't it? Yeah. And so we watch it together and it's fun. And we clean together and we pray together and we serve together and we eat together. Did you know that families that eat together three to four times a week, your kids have an 80%, uh, 80% less likely to commit suicide? There are things you can do in not just hope. There are things you can do. We serve together, eat together, worship together. I'm praying that a spiritual inheritance becomes more important than how much coin you leave your kids. Amen. I also pray that as you seek first the things of God, that all these other things will be added to you as well. Amen. And that is the prayer. That's my family too. We seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things just seem to work out and get added to our lives. Amen. There's a story as I get ready to figure out how I might possibly at some point land this plane. There is a story, and uh, by the way, and that's why you're making a good decision. And so, serving the Lord together as a family. Amen. And so, where we are, um, there's a story in the Word of God where Joshua was in a season like this where the whole world wanted to go against the Lord. And he looks at them all, and, he, and it's very similar to the season we're in now. They didn't want to serve the Lord because it was unpopular, it was, was, it was harder, you know or seem that way. And he says to them all, he says, you know what? If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, choose for yourself whom you will serve. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's the decision we made. If you're here with your spouse, I want you to hold their hand right now. Now, I'm not just talking to people who, um, I'm not just talking now to people who have a, um, a spouse, you might be single. Maybe you're here alone. Maybe your kids, are, uh, you feel like it's too late. By the way, it's never too late. But you've got grandkids. If you would like to make that declaration today, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, the operative word is serve. He didn't just say love the Lord. I'm in a covenant with my wife, but I want to serve my wife, right? 
that takes work. If you want to make a commitment right now, I want you to grab their hand. Or if you're alone, you can make that commitment on behalf of your family. Come down the front. And as you're coming down the front, now trust me, there's half the service in both services, right? So you're not going to be alone. But come down the front and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Come on down. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Some people are worried, you know, they might be the only one. Joshua and his family were the only one. Hallelujah. It's just coming now. It's coming now. Come on down. Just come to the middle. Come to the middle. Bring your kids with you. Kids, if your parents are down the front, join them. Come on down right now. Especially if your parents told you to and you didn't come, you need to come. You need to be obey your mother and father that it may go well with you all the days of your life. The only, the only commandment that has a promise of a blessing in your life. Isn't that fascinating? Family, stand together. And if you can't, just get into the aisle. But I want you to move physically so you're together. You're doing something. You're making a stand. Where's my friend Troy? Yeah, here he is. He's, he's very flexible. He can get up here. There we go. Lauren and I owe Troy and Mary. Where are you? Can you come up and join him as well? Just stand with him. Thanks. Mary and Troy, you don't know them, but they have sown into Lauren and I in ways that you wouldn't receive anything you receive from this pulpit if not for them. Can we just honor them right now as they come up on stage? Love you guys. I, I, I want Troy. I want Troy to pray for you. I believe with all my heart that this is a very, very pivotal, pivotal, transformative moment in your life. You're making a declaration in front of others. You do what you want, but as for me and my house. And so I figured the guy, the, the guy and the gal that pushed us, helped us, sewed into us, could maybe say a prayer for you. And so thanks, Troy. Pastor Troy, thanks. I held it together for first service. Not sure about this one now. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. As for me and my home, we will serve you, Lord. We will serve you mightily. We will serve you faithfully. We'll serve you with obedience and discipline, Lord. Lord, I pray for everyone that stands here before this stage, Lord. They come here to surrender before you and say, Lord, we will serve you. So, Lord, for each one, they have something that they're facing right now. Holy Spirit, you know what it is and call it to mind to them, Lord. Lord, let them believe that you are true and faithful for all things that you do, Lord. Lord, for those that are unable to bear children, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just open up the womb like you have with Sarah, Lord. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling in our marriages right now, Lord. Lord, just create a new fountain of love, Lord, that exists within that marriage, Lord. Call men to love their wives, wives to respect their husbands, Lord. Lord, for those that are children in this room standing here and believing that their parents have something more, something more that they can lift up in their families, Lord, allow these children to have faith to pray for their family members and their parents, Lord Jesus. For fathers who are struggling to take leadership in their homes, Lord, right now, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just come upon them, give them courage and boldness, Lord, to stand up in this world that has dismissed men but to help them know, Lord, that they can rise up and lead their family, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm believing right now for those that were ready to stand before this stage, Lord, and before you, Lord, and surrender, that want to lead a legacy. Lord, that they want to lead generations to follow. 
Lord, that they want their generations to be ambassadors, Lord, for you, Lord. Lord, for parents to raise up their children, for grandparents to raise up those children's children, Lord. And for those, Lord, that are ready to be grandparents, reach out into the neighborhood and prepare children that don't have someone to stand and come alongside them and bring them to church, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, that you're calling them to do, Lord, I'm believing it's because you've designed for them something special. You have a purpose, Lord. There's nothing accidental about what it is that you do. Every appointment has purpose, Lord Jesus. Lord, for right now, may your peace just rest upon these people. Lord, may you just give them a desire to walk before you without fear, without shame. Lord, we love you. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus, the name that is above all names, the name that we worship, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.